Welcome back, everybody. It is yet another episode of the Association NBA Podcast. It's the fall. Basketball's right around the corner. We're going to start talking about it. We already have. We're not going to stop. I'm Sam Ruth here. Joining me is Tommy Wood. Tommy, it's September 12, 2018. Uh, how's your fantasy football team? I don't have one this year. Adam boy. First time since my... Uh, since before high school that I don't have a fantasy team. Great work, man. Did you even pay attention to the NFL, or are you just out on it? No, I'm out. Yeah. I, just, I don't care. Did you watch Colorado beat Nebraska? I did. Those The only two football games I've watched this year were Colorado beating CSU and Nebraska. And I don't know if I'll watch any more. That, that might be all I needed. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, that Nebraska game was pretty sweet. I got to watch it with some... Uh, some of the guys from our intramural basketball team buffs and stuff because we were at a, a wedding of a mutual friend in Minneapolis. So Awesome. Shout out to Jake, Steven, and Joey. That was a lot of fun. But we're not here to talk about football, even though that's the way I decided to start this podcast. <laughs> we're here to talk about the NBA. We are, after all, the Association NBA podcast. And in our continuing division previews, today our eyes fall on the Southeast. Last time the northwest was perhaps the strongest con- uh, division in the nba this is perhaps the weakest or close i think it's probably the weakest um, yeah i think without a doubt so uh e- even with that in mind uh it warrants it merits a breakdown and we're gonna give it the ju- that justice um we got five teams here only two of them made the playoffs last year but all five existed and played 82 games the heat the wizards <laughs> the hornets the magic and the hawks um yep this time do we want to go team by team or do we want to give how we think they're going to finish first i don't even remember how we did it last time. yeah let, let, i think we've been we've been ranking them first all right and then so you you go okay um this one simultaneously like it was like obvious and not obvious to me at the same time but i think the wizards are going to be the best team in this division you already told me before we started recording you're not quite there but i think they will win the division Okay. I, I foresee them at most being the four or the five seed, but still, I also think the Heat will make the playoffs. Um, both these teams bring back a lot of the roster from last year, and the Wizards, at least, I think kind of shored up some things that were a problem while there's still some problems there. The Heat kind of just were looking at a very similar team. Uh, after that, I've actually got the Hornets and then the Magic and then the Hawks, so literally exactly the same way it finished last year. But... Um, it's just that's just how I see it. Uh, I see no way around the fact that the Hornets still have perhaps the best player in the conference or close in Kemba Walker, maybe after Brad Beal. Um, the Magic have a good core, or at least a better core than the Hawks, who still have kind of nothing. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. But I'm curious if yours looks anything close to mine, or if you're markedly different. So go right ahead. Yeah, I've got the Heat at the top. Um, and if we're going just off of talent, I would have. Uh, the Wizards first probably but Miami they just have uh, a level of chemistry and continuity and just like organizational competence that no other team in this division has and you know I just I just see them being a lot just you know being a lot better than the Wizards just kind of based off of that um, I do have Washington second um, although I was pretty tempted to drop them to third um, behind Charlotte but I just I can't get there with Charlotte, um, but Washington I could see this going really badly for them. Uh, they're kind of 
one team other than, you know, them in Minnesota are the teams I consider to be real implosion candidates yeah. among kind of playoff teams from last year. Um, you know, I just don't know how Dwight Howard is going to work in that locker room, and we can get get into that later. But then I have Charlotte third. Um, I think they could potentially make the playoffs just because the past two seasons, if they won as many games as they were as they were projected to by their point differential, they would have made the playoffs. I mean, two huh. years in a row, they vastly underperformed their point differential. Um, last year, they were six games worse than their expected one loss total, which is just that's. Pretty, pretty abnormal to do that two years in a row. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the same time, they, they, they couldn't get there. Uh, the thing with them is it's health, and if uh, they can get a healthy Cody Zeller and if they can get a healthy Kimball Walker, then maybe you get three playoff teams from this division. And then, um, you know, the Magic and the Hawks are just kind of uh, not entities at this point. And the Hawks, as you say, have pretty much nothing. They are the uber non-entity. Yeah. And uh, they're competing with, with the Knicks, I guess, for perhaps the worst roster in the league. Yeah, I think that, I mean, well, I guess I, I wouldn't put the Kings up there anymore. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Um, for the sake of, of alphabetizing, I, I'd say we start there um, Let's with do it. the Hawks. So. Your 2018 Atlanta Hawks, folks, coached no longer by Mike Budenholzer, but Lloyd Pierce. Um, really, I think the the if you want to talk about somebody whose fingerprints are all over this team, though, it's not Lloyd Pierce. It's uh, Travis Schlenk, who yep. many folks have, I, I want to say accused, but I it's really suggested, but accused of trying to build Warriors East and failing spectacularly mainly because he decided to trade Doncic for Trey Young, um, which seems like it could end up being real bad. But we'll see. Yeah. Trey Young hasn't played in the regular season yet. Neither of them have. So um, they got a lot of guys. We'll talk about all kinds because even though there's nobody that sticks out to you as like an all-star or someone who would even start on a championship-caliber team, there are some folks with some interesting potential here and also interesting uh, journeys that brought them here. But to start, I guess, uh, to wade through kind of all those different names and stories we can touch on, at the very top here, who are the guys who you would consider, uh, as we've done with every other team so far, the, the crunch time five, the core guys you want on the floor with the game on the line, although that may not happen very often this season. It, is it, Are the Hawks even going to be in crunch time at any point this season? It will be an accident if they are. <laughs> um, that's kind of... That's, honestly really difficult is, um, is. but i would probably go with uh trey young kent Bazemore, torian waller prince john collins and Dwayne dedman um and you know two of those guys in there uh you know we just don't know what trey young is going to look like i think he's really going to struggle this year uh but prince and collins you know, despite this team being so kind of moribund, those are two guys who I'm still fairly excited by. And I'm, I'm pretty high on both of them. Uh-huh. I, uh, I, I mean, Collins is, has shown, did show some promise last season. Um, Prince now two seasons in, I mean, he was a darling of the league his rookie year and still maintains some of those same attributes that make him pretty versatile and valuable. Uh, I, I think you're exactly right there with that crunch time lineup, except it's possible if things go south for Trey Young and they start having to protect him a little, you may see Jeremy Lin in there instead. 
Or yeah, if good point. if it's a certain kind of lineup, it could be Lynn, Trey Young, and 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 Bazemore, or Jeremy Lynn, Kent Bazemore, or I think that the other three guys you mentioned though, it, that's pretty consistent. Being yeah, Collins, Deadman, and uh, Prince. I, I think excuse might, me. <laughs> I think it might be a mistake to play Jeremy Lynn in crunch time because then they might actually win some close yeah. games. Linsanity, dude. I still remember watching him on the Lakers beat the Celtics in crunch time, and it was like, ah, oh, he still got it. He's yeah. pretty good in the in the clutch, so uh, it would he be a mistake a if player. they don't want to uh, land a top five, or if they do want to land a top five pick. But uh, uh, where, where are you at? What kind of basketball do you think we're going to see from the Hawks this year? I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea what we're going to get from Lloyd Pierce because mm-hmm. um, we know what a, a Mike Budenholzer team looks like. Yeah. And, you know, for as bad as they were last year um, – you know, they still played, you know, kind of nominally the right way. They moved the ball really well. They took a lot of threes. Um, you know, they had sound defensive principles. Uh, so, and I just don't know enough about, uh, you know, Lloyd Pierce to kind of evaluate that. Um, you know, one thing that I've been thinking about with Bud leaving is, you know, you've had this Hawks University where they've been uh, helping all these wings from Damari Carroll to, uh, Ken Bazemore to now Prince become the best versions of themselves and I don't know how much of that was Bud and his staff and how much of that is kind of organizational um, because that could be gone now um, you know I that said like I said I'm still pretty high on Prince and uh, and Collins I mean Prince he averaged 14 points a game last year and shot uh, 38% from three on 5.6 attempts um, he jumped so from his rookie year to last year he more than tripled his three-point attempts and increased his percentage from 32 to 38%. And he played pretty, like, adequate defense for such a young guy. So, I don't know. He, he's someone I'm high on, and John Collins is just really fun. Um, and I hope Pierce will feature those guys and let them, you know, kind of develop and, and make mistakes and um, kind of step into maybe a, a bit of a bigger role than they would get on a different team. And same thing with Trey Young. Like, you just have to empower these guys. Um, and that's that should be the focus of everything they do this season. And the byproduct of that is they'll be really bad, and they'll have a better chance at getting a top draft pick in, uh, next year. Now, assuming that at least to some degree, Trey Young is is some kind of ready to play NBA minutes, doesn't go Malik Monk on us and get buried on the bench. I um, hope that doesn't happen. I don't think we'll it will. We'll talk about that with the Hornets because the second yeah, I saw his name, I was like, "Oh my god, yeah!" Oh, to draft this guy. Yeah, and not and, play him a bunch of minutes. But assuming yeah. that's the case, uh, what kind of basketball are you expecting him to be playing? I mean, I saw the highlights of him in Oklahoma and knew that he was highly talented in terms of his offensive skill. But am I going to be seeing him setting up John Collins for a three or Torian Prince for a three, or is he just going to be? kind of making guys miss off the ball, creating his own shot, and then kind of working on his on his playmaking. What should we expect there? Um, I think a little game. bit of both. Okay. Uh, I think, I mean, his playmaking is, I think, probably the most underrated part about his game. I mean, he also led the nation in assists last year, too. Uh-huh. Uh, and his vision is, I mean, it might it's might be as good or better than his, than his shooting. I mean, it's, it's really pretty elite. Uh, so... You know, it's just going to take a long time, I think, for him to adjust to the NBA game because he's so limited athletically. He's so small. He's so slight. I think that's why he's going to struggle. Uh, I think he's going to have to figure out the speed of the game and realize that, you know, the passing windows are going to be different. Um, but eventually, yeah, I do think he could be throwing some 
I think he and John Collins could be a great, you know, lob pairing, um, you know, diming up shooters. Um, I think just the fact that he'll be playing with competent players. I mean, the rest of his, you know, he, he really had no other, no offensively skilled teammates at Oklahoma. Um, so increased NBA spacing and just, you know, the better talent. I think he'll benefit from that. Um, but it's kind of hard for me to project like what he'll shoot from three. I mean, he was already bombing from NBA range in college. Like that's not the issue, but um, you know, again, you just wonder if your defenders be, will be closing out faster. Um, you know, it'll be harder for him to get a shot off, uh, off the dribble. So, um, but it's okay if he struggles this year. I mean, most rookie point guards do. And again, it, it behooves the Hawks to suck. Yeah. It's not, it's not about how good, can he and can they be this year it's how good can he be after they get a couple more top 10 picks and yeah. make some trades to get some guys who are actually going to be worth yeah. having around to win games um and nba players love atlanta you know yeah. i'm like i'm surprised they don't get as many free agents you know more free agents than they do they got dwight man Uh, speaking of free agent signings, though, I mean, they, they brought on Vince Carter, the elder statesman of the league, along with Dirk, uh, here for his 20th season. To me, this kind of seems like at this point, although he, he actually played two minutes at Sacramento last year, um, he's kind of an assistant coach in a uniform, right? I mean, it makes yeah. a lot of sense from the perspective of Lloyd Pierce, first-time head coach. You bring in Vince Carter, you kind of appease him by letting him still play. But you really want him for for a strong veteran presence to make sure that locker room actually, you know, respects authority. I don't even know how else to say it. Like, because yeah. when you're a shitty team, easily these guys can all say "fuck it," go play Fortnite in the locker room at halftime. Like, <laughs> Vince is gonna kind of yeah. crack some skulls, in my opinion, if he needs to, to make sure that uh, they're at least on a, a track of, of caring. Yeah, I mean they're so damn young. I mean they they need somebody like that, and and with so- someone like Vince, I don't think you'll be tempted to play him a lot of minutes, um, which is the other nice thing. Um, yeah, I mean I think I there's you know there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know I I don't think it that level of like veteran leadership and mentorship is maybe as crucial as some people make it out to be, but uh, it it definitely matters like a little bit. I mean if you just have a locker room full of uh, you know, full of kids, even guys like Deadman aren't that old. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's hard to, it, it's hard for them to just figure out how to be adults. All right. Here's a, a game I want to play really quickly. It's called okay. who gets the minutes. There's a bunch of guys on the fringe here. I'm going to give you two in similar situations. You got to tell me who is more worthwhile to get some minutes on this team. Ready? Let's... You got, first of all, Alex Len versus Dwayne Dedman. Oh man, I forgot they had Alex Len. Uh, Dedman. I would say I would say Dedman because he's way better. Okay. Um, unless he ends up getting traded or bought out. Yeah. Which I think is extremely likely. Me too. Um, Dedman. So may, may, Dedman. That is right. I spaced out for a second. Dedman. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's, he's he actually Dedman. like has some useful NBA skills. Alex Len kind of is just like a, a first round pick that didn't really work out. Yeah, number four overall. Len is in the fifth year of his career. I feel old. Yeah, I remember when he, I remember that that god awful draft. <laughs> Me too. That was a terrible draft. Okay, next, Thomas Roberts, Thomas Robinson, excuse me, or Miles Plumley. Oh, 
I didn't, man, my heart wants to go with Thomas Robinson. Because uh, you hate the Plumley family. It's probably going to be Plumley. Yeah. Um, neither of them are any good. No. <laughs> it's depressing. Good to see Thomas <laughs> Robinson still hanging on on a roster, though. Yeah. Same draft, I think, right? Is Len? No, he was the, uh, he was 2012. He was the Anthony Davis draft. Yeah, you're right. Uh, okay, one more for you. Or at least one more. It might be two. Alex okay. Polythress, who's on a two-way contract, or Justin Anderson? Um, You know, I think it's probably going to be Anderson. Yeah. As he's he's held down in rotation spots before. Especially yeah, as is. a rookie in Dallas, he looks pretty promising. Yeah, I'm surprised that he already like switched teams because he did have some, some flashes of being a useful rotation guy. So I hope he gets some minutes on this team. Yeah. Me, yeah, me too. Who else you got? Uh, Okay, one more. I can't even say one of these guys' names. Tyler Dorsey <laughs> or Kevin Huerter? Huerter. I, I, I think it's Herter. Herter from Maryland. Herter. He's a rookie. Yeah. Did they draft him or was he undrafted? I don't even know if they, they drafted him. They drafted him uh, in the first round. So Holy shit. going to get some minutes. I mean, he's he's their, uh, their Clay Thompson, if we're going with that analogy, which I hate, by the way. I think it's stupid that people started talking about start framing the Hawks draft in that way because – you know, not only are Clay and Curry and Draymond just outlier historically good yeah. at what they do, uh, you know, I I don't know if Amari Spellman is the same level of crazy and smart and you know as Draymond. You know, nobody is. Like it's it's, no. it's if they're really trying to replicate something like that, it's just it's foolish. But we'll see. Like these these guys could all end up being good in their own way. So we'll be keeping an eye on those two first-round picks, I guess, Spellman and Herter, as potential Warriors East developments <laughs> along with. Wow, so they ended up with three first-round picks, those two, and then there's Steph Curry, Trey Young. So really, they're set up for the next 10 years, right? Yeah. doesn't even matter who's around them. If you bring in DeMarcus Cut, doesn't matter. DeMarcus Cousins, yeah. Jonas Jarebko. John Collins, David Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that makes Torian Prince uh, – Ah, oh, shit. What's his name? The dude who used to do the crazy dunk. Baron Davis. <laughs> Torian Prince is Baron Davis. All right, we're done with the Hawks. There's no point in continuing to talk about them. Next for us, alphabetically, is going to be the Charlotte Hornets, who yeah. you think will definitely make the playoffs, right? You had them as your number two team, your definite playoff team. Uh, No, I, I had them as three. Oh, excuse um, me. I said I could. I, I, I think there's a pathway for them to be two, but yeah. I... I couldn't get there yeah. as it being like more likely than not. Um, another team with a new head coach. We've looking at James Borrego. Um, yeah. Let go of Steve Clifford, but it's not the last time we're going to mention Steve Clifford's name. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> James Borrego's picture is goofy. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets carry over a lot of the guys who were with the squad last year. Um, in terms of changes, they traded for Bismack Biombo and did they tra- draft someone? Miles Bridges. They drafted Miles, they drafted Bridges. Miles Bridges. And they signed yeah. Tony Parker. Besides that, it's all kind of like fringe roster stuff. There are there are a bunch of rookies on this roster, um, yeah. mo- most of whom I'm not very familiar with. So that I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign because I don't really stay in tune with college basketball, so maybe they're under the radar good kids, or maybe the fact that they don't know their name means they're already a bust. No, it's impossible. But... <laughs> Tell me the top five, Tommy. Tell me who you need on the floor with their, with their lives on the line. 
I mean, in the past, it's it's kind of always been, uh, you know, Kemba, Batum, MKG, uh, Marvin Williams, and uh, Cody Zeller. That's just that, and that's been a pretty decent lineup, shockingly. Um, even though I'm really not a big fan of Kid Gilchrist or Batum, um, but yeah, I think that's probably what what you go with. I I really want them to find a way to get Malik Monk in there, just because he. I still really believe in him. I think he he has more upside than any other player on this team, and pretty much their only pathway to becoming you know staying a playoff team or a playoff you know near playoff team with Kemba Walker is if Malik Monk fulfills his potential. Yeah, and last year he just never got the opportunity to do that. Um, so that's one thing I I really hope uh, James Borrego will change. I mean, for I still think it was a, it was a mistake for them to fire Steve Clifford. Um, we can talk about that, but you know, one mistake Clifford really made last year is just burying Monk on the bench and never giving him a consistent role. So I hope Monk and uh, the other rookie Miles Bridges really get, uh, uh, or not the other rookie Monk isn't a rookie, but their first round pick this year, Miles Bridges, um, really get some some playing time. I think the other guy, uh, Devonte Graham, who they got in the second round, uh-huh. I I like him a lot actually, and one of the biggest problems with the Hornets the last couple of years is they just suck when Kemba's on the bench. I mean, their backup point guard last year was Michael Carter Williams. Yeah. Um, Graham is like a four year player at college, really good uh, defender, really intense player, uh, good three point shooter. Um, he can shoot it off the dribble. So I think he can come in and contribute immediately at backup point guard. So, you know, if they, if, if that works out, if they're, if Monk and, uh, bridges uh, show out, then you know maybe this team can can make the playoffs. But I think it's also likely that maybe Cody Zeller gets hurt again, and then you know Devontae Graham isn't that good because he's still a rookie, and they're awful. Batum continues to decline, and they trade Kemba Walker. So it can really go either way for this team. I think by the end of the year, one of Batum or Williams no longer is considered one of those top five guys. Because, as you mentioned, they're both declining. I mean, you mentioned Batum's declining. Williams is just kind of getting up there. He's, like, 32, going to be 33. Um, He's, like, their only starter who can shoot threes, I mean, other than Kemba. Yeah, so that's why it's tough to, like, he is really important to have any spacing at all. You need him out there. Kid Gilchrist just is, like, hopeless. um, Yeah, but but you need his defense. But he's so good defensively. Well, Um, where do you think Bismack Biombo? fits in like who do you play him next to in the front court does a Bayambo zeller lineup work or is that just like horrific spacing no, I, that that can't work i don't think yeah um, so i mean is he just coming off the bench with i mean yeah, you can't put him next to Billy herman center, gomez either so that's an issue in and of itself yeah i mean yeah their, their front court is way too crowded and um you know it's just it, they're paying a lot of money to, to two guys and Bayambo and zeller who just frankly aren't worth it um, Speaking of frankly, yeah, what about shoot. Frank the Tank? Just Batum's three point shooting has just fallen off a cliff since he signed that contract uh, last year in Portland, twenty fourteen yeah. fifteen. Uh, you know, if he was shooting threes at his earlier clip, uh, you know that he was at the beginning of his career, I think he'd still be a pretty useful rotation player. But I, I think you might be right. This could be the year that he, you know, falls out of their starting and closing lineups because. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what he adds besides, you know, if if he's not uh, 
hitting threes. Yeah, I agree. Um, kind of just seems like he would clog it and make it harder for Kemba to make plays both for himself to score and to set up his teammates with good looks. Um, how do yeah. you see Frank Kaminsky working into this rotation? I mean, he is somebody who at least could potentially space the floor a little bit. Preferably not much. Last <laughs> was, <laughs> yeah, he, he was a good shooter in college, and he's always had that reputation, but... Uh, you know, up until last year, he hadn't hit his threes. Thirty-three uh, percent as a rookie, thirty-two percent last year, uh, or twenty seventeen, and then thirty-eight percent last year. Um, so I don't know if that's real because um, he still only takes about uh, three and a half per game. So I, I don't, I don't know if that's a large enough sample size to say that he's definitively a better shooter. And if he doesn't, like, there's just nothing else he really does well so if frank kaminsky is going to be useful if he's going to be in your rotation he's got to be you know knocking down a really high percentage on high volume um, and he just doesn't do that you know he could like maybe there's a pathway to him becoming like a kind of chant poor man's chanting fry you know but i mean fry is just a, a far better shooter at you know so i just I don't know. I don't see it for Kaminsky. It's certainly an island of misfit toys, and enter into the mix. Tony Parker, uh, who decided to sign here after a career with San Antonio where... It kind of makes me sad. Yeah, he lost his starting gig, and now he's here to also not start, but apparently hang out with a fellow Frenchman. Um, I completely forgot he's probably going to be the backup point guard, not Devontae Graham. Yeah. Well, so, I forgot he's even on this team. It's just it's so weird to think about this. It is, and it's weird when you talk about how ideally they'd be getting Devontae Graham the opportunities here. Um, but, I mean, when the kid's a second-round draft pick, then it's not as, as important. I mean, if you think that there's a future for them, it should be important. But the lower they get drafted, the less the franchise cares about getting them minutes, you know? Uh, yeah. So you get Tony Parker, you have somebody who you know can can handle the floor when Kemba's off. As you mentioned earlier, that was an issue for them, not just last year, but the last several years. Bolsters their chances of potentially being a fringe playoff team in what's still a top-heavy and pretty weak Eastern Conference. Um, so we'll see how he meshes with them and what kind of things he brings to the table. I mean, obviously we know what his style is like, and if he can stay healthy, how he meshes with these guys. And, uh, I mean... James Borrego was a Spurs assistant, but this isn't exactly going to look like the San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> no. It's kind of hard to when Michael Jordan's your owner. But, you know, you, you make a good point about Parker. I wonder if he'll, you know, if there's if he'll play well enough to where, you know, he might factor into uh, closing some games. Um, you know, I wonder if, too, if he'll get, uh, like, how many minutes he'll get with Kemba um, and how well that you know, they could fit together. I could see working offensively just because they're both talented. They can both shoot, and they just both have a good court IQ, knowing where to be and how to get things set up. I don't know how that would work on defense, though. I think that could be yeah. an issue. They're both pretty small. Neither of them are strong enough to really stay in front of a, a bigger shooting guard. Uh, Parker certainly yeah. can't stay in front of a quicker point guard anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think... You know, just Kemba's going to be uh, 28 this year, so he's still in his prime. But you know, if he stays with the team, you know, if he signs another long-term contract with them, um, and, you know, I think the best way to kind of help him age is kind of 
what Toronto has done with Kyle Lowry is having another guy who can be a primary ball handler and, you know, not force Kemba to shoulder the load that he's had. And, you know, maybe Tony Parker can be it for this season if they can share the court. I mean, I think ideally that's got to be Malik Monk. But, yeah. Um, I, you know, Kemba just has such a heavy offensive load um, when it comes to, you know, he's pretty much the only creator on this team. And, uh, you know, that's, he's pretty small and that's just not, I don't know. That's not a recipe for, for longevity. He's been an Ironman so far, but um, you know, you've got to think about, you know, what's best for him as he, you know, starts to get into his late twenties, early thirties. This team, like this situation is, it's just, it's just weird. It's not terribly interesting what they've decided to put together. It's just hard to imagine how how you build a rotation out of these players and what kind of lineups you're gonna put on the floor. Like, there's gonna be some weird looks. Yep. Ah, that that's all I could say. Like, it's just gonna be weird. There's there's not much interesting. Like Malik Monk still could be a very exciting player. Um, I'm glad to still see Tony Parker play basketball, and I think Kemba yeah. Walker is one of the best point guards in the league. But it's just weird. It's just weird. Yeah, I yeah, and I just I just really wonder how the Kemba situation will play out. I, you know, I wonder if he'll want to stay here um, because I, I'm sure he knows that this team is going nowhere. And if he signs another, you know, maybe he'll want the five years and the max money and the security, and that's totally cool. Um, but he seems like a really competitive dude, and I don't know if this is the place he's going to want to stick around. It's a question worth asking. Um, up till now, I mean, he has just let them say and do whatever they want to, and he's just gone out there and continued to play. Um, this is the last year in his contract, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, and it's an insanely cheap contract, too. Yeah. I think he's making 12.5, uh, which, I mean, that, that might be, I don't know, like that's got to be one of like the five most valuable contracts in the league when you think about how good he is it's up um, there it's it's like on the level of Steph before his extension just about yeah he's made yeah he's making 12 exactly yeah um, um but we'll see i mean just because that contract's super tradable doesn't mean they're going to be willing to trade it unless they get back a big haul uh, yeah yeah exactly so we'll see i mean maybe he says does the Paul George, I'm going to the Lakers thing, and next thing you know, they're like, all right, we're done with this guy. But I don't see that coming. Uh, yeah. I also don't see Paul George in the Lakers. So uh, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to, to keep moving because Charlotte left left an odd taste in my mouth. Is that okay? Yeah, it t- tasted like a, I don't know, kind of like a TV dinner. <laughs> hungry man. <laughs> Charlotte Hornets, the hungry man of the NBA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, here's a, a much more competent uh, uh, taste to move on to, dessert, if you will. Uh, the Miami Heat. Oh, are, yeah. Arguably the, the, the most talented team in this division. Uh, definitely the best constructed roster. And the team most likely to not do anything super stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Heat are coming off a season in which they were the sixth seed in the playoffs. 44-38. and 38. One of two teams with a winning record in this division. And they're still coached by Eric Spolstra. 
they're still looking pretty good, and they have uh, not much turnover to speak of, although it probably would have helped them if they got rid of Hassan Whiteside. For now, he's still on the team. Um, yeah. I'm not really seeing any new names here whatsoever unless I'm, I'm missing. There's a couple rookies. Malik Newman is now on the team. As, yeah. As, our, as is Marcus Lee. Um, what were you saying? You don't know much about him? Uh, yeah, Malik Newman. Yeah. yeah Newman. This is a uh, little, little obscure, but that's okay. I mean, the continuity is like kind of its own strength, and uh, they have literally more of it than uh, <laughs> most teams in the league. Um, and just when you look at the way they play with Spolstra, like offensively, the way they move the ball, and then how they just wreck shit on defense – um, this is, I don't know, this is kind of your quintessential, you know, team that's built to succeed in the regular season. No doubt. Um, at least 44, probably more than 44 wins. I'd say yeah. these guys are on the way to, to the upper 40s. Yeah, I could see that easily. Um, and we'll see bringing Dion Waiters back, too. I mean, you talk about having the same roster. Really, all you're doing is adding Dion Waiters and those younger pieces as well because he missed virtually the entire season last year. Yeah, only played 30 games. Hopefully, they won't be adding too much Dion. I mean, well, hopefully hopefully he bounces back and plays like he did in uh, 2017. But uh, last year, uh, 30% from three. Uh, he, what was his usage? It was not good. Um. Oh yeah. So true shooting of uh forty point four eight seven on twenty five percent usage. Um, pretty bad. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I I I think he and Whiteside are kind of the only things that can keep things that can tank this really, uh, other than injuries. Um, but they're the two players who were in their rotation last year who were just pretty ineffective, and. I think that he would be best off if they excise both of them from the rotation as much as possible, but you're still paying those guys a lot of money. And, you know, obviously you're still in the locker room because I don't think you can trade either of their contracts. So that, that to me is kind of the biggest red flag I see with them. Um, because I, I, I think they're better off if they don't play those guys, but if they don't, if they don't play them, I don't see that going over smoothly. I mean, Jesus, Whiteside makes over $25 million this year. Yeah. That's such an embarrassment. I, I 2016, mean, man. He has one good season. I mean, more than one good season. Probably one and a half good seasons. And I mean, when he's on, when he has those rebounds with one hand, like they look cool and stuff when he has 10 blocks in a game. But uh, he's just a, he's a cancer. He's a real issue. He, yeah. He's extremely immature. All those things that made it take so long for him to actually get into a rotation and just have a steady job of the NBA. Like they're not just gone forever. Um, this was the one yeah. organization that was able to at least tamp it down for a little while, but he just can't move past it. Um, and it's gotten in the way of, of undeniably a lot of talent. And yeah, now at this point, I'd probably rather see uh, one or both of Bam Adebayo and Kelly Olenek on the floor at the end of the game than Hassan Whiteside being anywhere near it. Yeah, I, I love Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before he becomes their starting center. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, he he does everything you want Hassan Whiteside to do. I mean, he's a he's already a really good role guy. Um, and defensively, he showed a really, like, surprising amount of aptitude as a switch guy, as a rookie. Um, and 
he uh, had a neutral plus minus, which, you know, for a rookie to not suck well, when he plays as many minutes as he did is pretty impressive on its own. Um, and I just, you know, he, he can really get up and crush dunks, but he also has, like, a surprising amount of, like, craft and skill finishing for a guy, you know, of his build. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, I really hope um, he, you know, gets gets the chance to start and finish games. Um so this was crazy when I was looking up the Heat uh, when I was researching this. They didn't have uh, their most used lineup last year. Only played two hundred two minutes together. It's like nothing. Yeah, I know. That's and then so yeah, that's barely. Uh, it's like five games. Not four games. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. not even. It's not. It's closer to four. Yeah. Um, who and was that, it? That was you know Dragic, James Johnson, Tyler Johnson, Richardson, and Whiteside. Um, but. Get this, wow. so their second most used lineup. Uh, this is this is kind of this was crazy to me. So their second most used lineup, 143 minutes. So uh-huh. basically four games or, or three games. Sorry, yeah. it was Bam, Wayne Ellington, Olenek, uh, Richardson, and Justice Winslow. Do you want to guess what that lineup's net rating was? I'm assuming it was positive, even though it's quite the hodgepodge of guys. Yeah. What was it? Plus twenty one. Oh, so like they they would have been four zero basically or three <laughs> yeah. zero. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I, that shocked me. And they just they got up uh, eight more three pointers for hundred possessions than their opponents. Wait, uh, it was it was Bam Kelly, uh... Wayne Ellington, Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow. Wayne Ellington and Josh Richardson in the backcourt. Yeah. And I guess Winslow was kind of like the point guard there ish, or Richardson too, but it's just, it's yeah, so, I guess they're it's, your it's two a, wings. Yeah. It's weird, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was just a crazy nugget that I found. Um, but, but it also got me thinking that there is really like a lot to like about this team, even though they don't have like top line talent. They have a lot of guys who do have like some elite skills. You know, Wayne Ellington is one of the best shooters in the league. Um, he shot 40% on almost eight attempts per game and in only 26 minutes. I mean, he li- literally just shoots threes the second he, t- he touches the ball. Um, you know, Richardson shoots threes and really at a pretty good rate, um, you know, 38%. And he's a nasty defender. I think he's an all-defense level player. Um, I love James Johnson's game. I mean, they just have, like... It's it's a weird collection of talent, you know. Olenek is is a bomber too, um, and obviously uh, we haven't even talked about Goran Dragic, and he's probably their best player. Um, but not even probably, like definitely. He is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it just it, it works. I, I think it comes down comes down to Spolstra, but um, you know, I think I think they could take even more threes than they already do. They're like four, I, yeah, fourth or seventh in three-point rate last year um so i think i think they could get more of those up um but yeah i mean there's just a lot to like about the way they play you mentioned them being built really well for the regular season and i think what you were just talking about is a huge reason why uh the difference between their most played and second most played lineups neither of which got a whole lot of minutes uh it's completely different players you'd expect those lineups to play completely different styles but at the end of the day both can be effective. You mentioned them taking all these threes and the different places they can come from. Somebody playing 
potentially the five, like Kelly Olenek, or somebody coming in just to huck threes as a guard, like Wayne Ellington. And then those who are in the middle, uh, you know, Dragic and guards like Richardson. Um, it doesn't have to be even the same style on uh, two nights of a back-to-back. You, you can play yeah. more, you know, if Whiteside is going to end up getting minutes on this team and, and grow up a little bit play a style of basketball with him in the middle and then the next night you don't really play him that much and then you go with bam and kelly play in the five instead and stretch the floor a lot more um they have many different ways to skin a cat so to speak and with a coach like spo who really can uh be the symphony conductor it worked last year and it can work even better this year if they they keep some health and like you mentioned keep keep away from issues with with some guys with more fiery personalities yeah, I, re- I really think it will work in, in the regular season. Um, you know, the playoffs are another matter. Um, you know, I mean, last year, well, I, I don't really know, though. I mean, how they would fit. You know, last year was just a horrible matchup for them in that, you know, they Philly. came up. Yeah, they, they went up against two unstoppable offensive forces. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's nothing they could do about about it. So if they were playing another team, you know, I don't know, maybe – Maybe they could win a first round series this year. I don't. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think that's probably their ceiling in the second round of the playoffs. But that's not, you know, that that's nothing to sneeze at. No, that's an accomplishment. That's not something that just happens. I mean, yeah, the teams we talked about already would love to be there. Yeah, yeah, and and when you just think about the way they've uh, just retooled since LeBron left in 2014, um, you know, I I really didn't think there would be a way for them to get you know, to this level without bottoming out. But uh, they rebuilt on the fly in just a really, like, unconventional way. And it's a way that, you know, it, it doesn't, like, on the surface, it doesn't seem smart. Like, they kind of doubled down on basically average players, uh, you know, and kind of settled in, on, into the treadmill of mediocrity. But the difference is they're the Heat, and they have better coaching staff and better training staff and better front office than – you know, most pretty much any other team that that is in this, you know, kind of morass in the middle, and they're just—it's like they're they're better at being average than everyone else. <laughs> it, it, which which doesn't sound like it should be a compliment, but I think it is because it, even though it's mentioned frequently in NBA Twitter like media uh, conversations, you don't want to be on that treadmill of mediocrity i mean it's all about how you can navigate it and they're a team who can navigate it who aren't just there because they want to be there forever they're there because they want to develop they want to find the right roster and make the tweaks they need to on the outside of of it and and they've done that in a way since like you mentioned lebron left that cleveland certainly didn't when lebron left cleveland um and not only did they have to pivot after lebron left and they thought he was staying but then they throw that mega contract to Chris Bosh, and then the guy practically dies. And he has to, I mean, he hasn't retired yet officially. Yeah. He can't play in the NBA anymore. So there's a second guy you built your entire team around who's now also gone. Um, yeah, it, yeah, we, we totally left that out. I mean, because he was still playing at, at an all-star level. Yeah, he was He was I mean, having he, a great he was, season. He was absolutely worth, the, you know, the max contract. I mean, yeah. he was, yeah, he would, he could, he would probably still be uh, like a pretty, great player just with the way the way his game would have aged it's man now now i'm just sad that chris bosh isn't playing basketball anymore if uh if if the hornets were like a really weird psychedelic band then the miami heat is like 
Dust in the Wind by Kansas, just playing on repeat. Just you close your eyes and the big three's all gone. Udonis Haslam is like slowly aging with a big long beard at the end of the bench. Slowly fading into the front office because he's part of the Miami Mafia, as Jalen Rose would say. Um, no, it's a this is a, a fun kind of, of roster where there's a lot of, of pieces who can fit together. It's the antithesis of Charlotte, a bunch of pieces who you can't really fit together. There's a lot of not just versatility here, but uh, like I said before, a lot of different ways you can go with the guys you have on this team. And no matter what, you know you're going to get a lot of players willing to play hard. Uh, a lot of really good defenders here. Even somebody yep. who's slow-footed, like, I mean, I've watched a lot of Kelly Olenek basketball in my day. He is not very fleet of foot, but the guy tries really hard and knows how to get in the right position. I, I will give him that. Uh, and I'm sure he continued to do something. The right so position, like the arm bar? Yeah, like grabbing somebody's <laughs> arm and yanking it until it comes out of the socket. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't. That was that was an accident. He probably felt very bad about that. <laughs> He also loves burritos. Um, all right. Anything else on Miami? Uh, no, man. I think I think we've uh, pretty much covered it. Yeah. Um, two more. I Miami was fun. This one's going to be another challenge. Uh, that'd be the Orlando, Orlando. Magic. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, coming off a season in which they were 25 and 57, the Magic, uh, unfortunately, also bring back a fair amount of their team, but probably shouldn't have. Um, but they also experienced some change. Frank Vogel is gone. We now welcome back Steve Clifford to the mix, formerly of the Charlotte Hornets. Steve has decided he's going to come try and salvage the Orlando Magic. Uh, they traded Bismack Biombo to the Hornets for the privilege of rostering Timofey Mozgov, um, whose contract went from incredibly awful to surprisingly tradable. It's been traded several <laughs> times now. Uh, in that trade, who else did they pick up? They got some guard, didn't they? Um, uh, Jerry and Grant, who yes. actually could see minutes to the point where I almost put him in the crunch time five for this team. He might, dude, he might be their starting point guard. Yeah. He's like their only point guard. He, I mean, DJ Augustine is your other option. Yeah. No bueno. <laughs> Who's going into his second decade in the NBA at, at quote-unquote six feet. <laughs> Um, you do have Jonathan Isaac, who came off a he he showed flashes in his his rookie year. Uh, you've got Jonathan Simmons, who can get stuff done, but he's also coming off an injury, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. And you've got your first round draft pick, Mo Bamba, who is very polarizing. Uh, some folks think gonna be amazing. Some people think he's trash. Apparently, he's got three point range. He's definitely going to get plenty of minutes. That's the supposed reason why they traded Bayamba to make sure that the front court was wide open for our guy Bamba. Then the last person to mention, and probably the centerpiece of this team even more than Mo Bamba, would be Aaron Gordon of uh, uh, Uncle Drew fame, uh, <laughs> who just got extended and is now the uh, most played play, paid player on this team. Uh I don't even know what to ask you about the Magic, Tommy. Just just start telling me about them. Oh, man. I mean, this is another one of those teams that has a lot of you know young-ish players that I like, but they've just been so incompetent as an organization that you know they haven't been able to get anything out of these guys. I think Steve Clifford, um, you know, I, I'm not going to go out and say the Magic are going to make the playoffs this year. I'm not going to do that. But all I'm going to say is that 
when Steve Clifford took over Charlotte, they had come off the worst season in NBA history and then another sub-20 win season directly after that. They made the playoffs his first year. He coached them. And then they made you know, only one more playoff trip this year, but they always did certain things incredibly well. They never turned the ball over. They never fouled. They always played good defense. With guys like he, he played, he, he fielded a top ten defense with Al Jefferson as his center, as a centerpiece. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And and, and now, uh, you know, he's getting to to work with guys like like Bamba and Gordon and Jonathan Isaac, who all have elite defensive potential. Um, you know, they're all probably you know Gordon, you know, he's been around, but uh, Isaac and Bamba are probably too young to realize it yet. Uh, but I think they're the makings here of a team that, you know, I think they could actually have a top 10 defense this year. Whoa. Like I'm just, it, that again, upper end outcome, but yeah. I think they could be really, really good on defense um, just because of Clifford's track record there. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just offensively, I mean, they could be bottom five, you know? I mean, I don't know who creates shots here. I don't know who takes shots. I don't know who makes shots. Um, it's just, you know, other than uh, Evan Fournier, they really don't have any any shot creators on this team. You know, Aaron Gordon isn't really a, a creator at this, at this point. And, I mean, I don't really consider DJ Augustine or – Nick Vucevic or, or Jerry and Grant in that light. So it's, they're going to be a hard team to watch on that end. Um, especially when you consider they're probably going to be playing, you know, a, a total non-shooter in Isaac. I mean, I guess he shot 35% on from three last year, but that was on a pretty minuscule He's amount supposed of to be attempts. able to shoot, isn't he? I thought that was the book on him coming out of school. Like he he was an off- offensively capable, or was that his limitation? Um, he shot three okay at uh, Florida State. He he shot thirty four percent last year, but only on uh, forty six attempts. So. Oh, so by barely even shooting it, he, they weren't even going in that much. It yeah. also looks like he and was so under forty percent. I don't know. There's gonna be the no field. spacing, no creation, no you know, no passing. You know, like they they need a point guard. Um, but maybe, maybe they could swing a trade for Steve Clifford's old running mate, Kemba. That would, you know, make this team immensely better. I, you know, maybe. That'd be cool. I'd be okay with that. I don't think that, I mean, I, I think Kemba's got New York on his mind, dude. I've always, I've, I have started to feel bad for Nick Vucevic because the guys from like, apparently Montenegro and like Switzerland or whatever. And then he comes to America and he has to spend his entire career playing basketball in Orlando. In Orlando. And he never gets yeah. to go see all and, these well, cool he was cities. In Philly, his rookie year. So imagine so that, that being his exposure, like <laughs> Philly and Orlando. Just what a, what a shitty time. Dirty, mean Philadelphia down to hot, <laughs> sticky, gross Orlando tourist trap. Oh. How many times do you think Nick Vucevic has been at Disneyland? I would so say many. once. Yeah? Oh, dude, I'm, yeah, like, what else is he going to do down there? I think he probably lives at Epcot. God. <laughs> they probably know him at the yeah, Montenegrin yeah, bar through, at Epcot. He's just going through the buffet over and over again. <laughs> hey, Nico. 
Hey. No, uh, yeah. I can't believe that guy's still on the on the magic. Hey, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, man, they're gonna have, have a really weird look on offense. I think they're relying on Aaron Gordon to be to be a point forward. I think they want him to be Blake Griffin. That that's a dark place to be. You're not wrong, but uh, that's where I we're mean, at. Like, he can ha- he can handle pretty well as like, I mean like like if he. If he's in transition or if he's attacking off the catch, attacking a closeout, his handle's good enough to get him to the rim. Uh, but he has no. But he's just never demonstrated any like the, the the vision or the passing ability to be to be that guy. If they're relying on him for that, it's just not gonna work. Yeah, now, I think Evan Fournier is gonna shoulder a surprising amount of this burden. Not even just shooting the threes i think he's actually gonna do some ball handling i think i, I mean, would probably start him at point guard yeah i mean him or i mean i like jerry and grant i think this is a unique opportunity for him um but those two guys need to be on the floor with the ball in their hands a lot yeah um i yeah i don't know so like who 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 is this team's crunch time five in your opinion good question um well <laughs> Definitely Aaron Gordon. I'm not going to go from, like, guard down to center because it's just kind of impossible. Definitely Aaron Gordon. Jonathan Isaac. They're probably going to want Mo Bamba out there. I don't know if he's ready. And then uh, it Evan Fournier because he can dribble and shoot. Yeah, who's the fifth guy? And then it's probably I, Jerry and Grant or DJ Augustine. Or, I mean, Terrence Ross could be yeah, seeing I was, minutes. I was going to say Terrence Ross. Yeah. I mean, he's only played 24 games last year but if he's healthy maybe him he's a good depth piece it's just like what is he doing on this team they you're right they need ball handling guards like he's not that he's a wing yeah yeah what is he doing on this team is he's their uh he's he's the ultimate return they got for victor oladipo (laughs) is what he's doing on this team jesus you're right wow oh my god well this is just another weirdly constructed team that Things are definitely going to change before we see an Orlando Magic team that's actually good at basketball because this does not have the looks of a playoff roster. But I think your optimism in Steve Clifford is well-founded. He actually has a, a decent track record. He's a miracle record. worker. And the, the Hornets also led, get this, the Hornets led the league in free throw rate last year. So think about Jesus. that. Like, it, that's crazy to me. Like, like <laughs> I, I just don't know. I mean, I guess they had Dwight Howard who gets ha- uh, hacked a lot. Yeah, but, that uh, was definitely part of it. But but Kemba, I mean, you know, again, like Kemba got to the line, but but that's what Clifford teams. I mean, they've always been up there under Clifford. I mean, they, they get fouled, they don't foul, and they don't turn the ball over. I mean, those those things travel well, and if you can instill those in young players, like you know, who have the potential of, of these guys, then I think there's a path for them to be okay. They just they just gotta figure out a way to get some offensive talent on there like some just some shot creation and some spacing yeah all right it's time for another little game before we move on to our last team let's do it last time it was which guy gets the minutes this time it's which guy uh do you even want to see play basketball and which guy do you just banish from professional basketball forever (laughs) which guy do you keep which guy is worthy okay first we got some guys coming into their second years in the league wesley iwundu or kem keem birch I would I would keep Wesley Awundu. I don't know anything I, about either of these guys. You've actually seen them play? 
Yeah, I don't know who 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 Ken Birch is, but I had fun watching Wesley Wimby play at Kansas State. He was he was boom. Okay, uh, he, he's a, he's a wing in the NBA. He's like six six nine six ten, but they Kansas State played him at point guard. It was pretty. He had a, he had a little bit of vision for a guy that big. Yeah. Uh, All right, guard version. Um, okay. These are names. You'll have at least heard one of these. Uh, Isaiah Briscoe, who you've definitely heard of. Or Melvin Frazier. Ooh, I, uh, you know, I, I like Melvin Frazier. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, he's, what, where is he? Tulane? Tulane. Yeah. yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Tulane. Um, yeah, he was, he was a pretty fun, like three, you know, three and D type of guy in college. Um, I mean, I think, I think he can really shoot it. I mean, he, he took a pretty high volume of attempts and, uh, made him at a pretty good clip and he's got some he's got a little bounce too one more brian angola rodas or bj johnson or looks like they signed gabe york wow gabe york yeah gabe york made a roster <laughs> go figure dude arizona wow oh, gabe york might weigh less than i do dude gabe york's like 170 soaking wet that guy is tiny <laughs> Um, who is the other kid? Where'd he end up? Alfonso, Alonzo Trier. Alonzo Trier. I, I think he went back to school. Really? He kept getting I, suspended for stuff. I don't know. Let me look that up. Cause he ended up being like their best player this side of, uh, the, the Aiton kid. Yeah. Um, no, he's with the, the Westchester Knicks is where Alonzo Trier ended up. Keep an eye on Alonzo Trier, dude. I like that kid. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he he was a CU killer. Yeah, he was. Um, all right, we uh, let's wrap it up with our last team on our list. The Orlando Magic probably aren't going to eclipse thirty wins, but this team definitely will. The Washington Wizards. Yeah. Wizards are a case of continuity in some ways. Um, I might be overselling it actually. I know I said it beforehand, but they did make some changes. But coming off a of forty-three and thirty-nine win season uh record season kind of disappointing for them eighth in the eastern conference but john wall was gone for much of that season they actually played pretty yeah. well without him but uh scott brooks remains the coach um yeah many yeah <laughs> what old scotty um several players return oh wow jason smith uh sorry um, <laughs> including john wall um and Brad Beal. Jason Smith from Kersey, Colorado, like about uh, 10 miles, maybe 15 miles north of where I live. Really? Yeah. God bless him, dude. He's been in the league for, yeah. for Kersey, 10 uh, years. Wow. Yeah. And you want to talk about a farm town. Um, <laughs> Kersey is, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it has the richest FFA program I've ever seen. Hey, man. That way. They grow him yeah. big out there. He's seven feet, mm-hmm. two forty-five. Corn fed, <laughs> corn fed boy. Um, but he probably won't really be that important to the Washington Wizards. I don't know. They have a thing for for big white guys. He's, I guess, their new Marcin Gortat. Um, Dwight Howard isn't their new Marcin Gortat. <laughs> Dwight Howard's the new Dwight Howard, dude. What do you say? He got he got to fly with the Rockets. He got stung by some Hornets. No, he flew with the Hawks. Yeah. He learned ma- what? Who did he learn magic from? The magic. 
Dwight Howard wasn't on. Oh yeah, he started on the Magic. Oh, I thought you were saying like I completely forgot he was on the Magic, and that's the only time he was ever good. He like he got got bacteria from lakes with the Lakers. I don't know. He sorry, it's a bad joke. Um. Anyway, now he's on the Wizards, and he's learning Magic once again. Um. You could say he might be their third best player, depending how strongly you feel about Otto Porter. All we know for sure is John Wall and Bradley Beal are good. Bradley Beal's coming off a career season. There's a lot of things yeah. here that are basically going to hold him back because he's finally healthy. Against all odds, he played an 82-game season. And Crazy, right? 36 he, minutes a game, too. He is an all-NBA talent. Um, yeah. Surrounded by a bunch of shit that's going to get in the way of him just scoring points and playing basketball extremely well. Is what? John Wall part of that shit? I think so at this point, right? What do you think? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I used to love John Wall. Me too. What, what we saw last year was just was bad. And I really hope he can get back to his form from, you know, a couple seasons ago when he was, when he and Beal were just, you know, making, you know, beautiful basketball every night. Um, you know, that showed that they really can fit together and play off each other well. But, um, you know, last year, Wall, I mean, in addition to missing a ton of time, I mean, when he was healthy, he just looked out of shape. Uh, he didn't seem like he, you know, he's, he really fell off defensively. Um, and I think that's probably what irked his teammates more than, you know, how well the ball moved without him, uh, even though, you know, they've never been really a great half-court team with Wall. Um, but, yeah, it just – this is why I said at the beginning I can see them as – you know, a team that could really implode is you know, last year. They almost did implode. They traded Marcin Gortat because uh, he and John Wall couldn't stand each other, which is sucked because they were maybe the best pick and roll tandem in the league. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how Dwight Howard's going to fit into that. Um, and I think injecting him into this locker room is just a recipe for disaster because uh, he's still a really productive player. He averaged 16 and 12 last year. Uh, you know, to end a block and a half per game. If if he were, if, if you were getting just the player Dwight Howard, not the person, for five million dollars a year, this would be pheno- a phenomenal fit. But what you're getting is a walking dad joke who has annoyed the last three teams he's played for so much they've run him out of town after you know after he wore out his welcome. It's I, I just. Every he just seems to annoy everyone he interacts with so much, and putting him into a locker room that already seems to not get along very well is just it's I don't see a way. I let me put it. I do see a way this goes well, but I think it's more likely than not that it doesn't. And he's supposedly now trying to evolve into Anthony Davis, so clearly that's on the horizon in his fourteenth season in the league. Yeah, man. I mean it. Maybe they'll finally unlock it, but this is the third season in a row we've said that about some team that Dwight's gone to. So I, I just don't see. Yeah. It. I don't see Scott Brooks being the guy who finally gets Dwight to realize what he should be doing on the floor, isn't posting up and taking mid-range jumpers and beyond. It's catching lobs and cleaning up the glass and blocking shots. Yeah, I, I mean, th- think about how how Scott Brooks enabled like all of Russell Westbrook's bad habits three years in OKC. Like, he's, yeah. he's not going to change Dwight. Nope. Um, and even with that, I mean, we'll still get those stats from Dwight. And they're still going to be offensively, you know, pretty potent. 
just the fact that you've got Beal at the center of it all. And Wall, yeah. in spite of, you know, I mean, not only did he look out of shape last year, but he, he looked engorged in that Team USA photo. Who knows what kind of shape he's going to come into the season looking like. Unfortunately, it seems like his knee issues aren't behind him, even though at one point you mentioned a couple years ago when he really was on top of his game, it seemed like he finally was healthy, but that's not the case. Wall um, still has an explosive first step, even if he doesn't quite have the stamina he used to. That still allows you to do some things offensively you're not able to do in Orlando when Evan Fournier is running things. So there will still be some excitement. There will still be some points scored. Uh, there's still going to be some open looks for both Wall and Brad Beal and guys like Otto Porter and, uh, I mean, even Markeith Morris, although his game's a little more limited. So I still see them looking good offensively at times, and a lot like the team of the past few years, I think they'll be effective and probably have a pretty good plus-minus when it's those guys I just mentioned and Dwight or Kelly Oubre on the floor. But after that, it's just when it still starts to get messy because there's some yeah. pieces now. There's at least names I recognize on the bench, but it's not necessarily a murderer's row. It's Jeff Green, Austin Rivers, and Thomas Sardaransky, and Jan Mahinmi, who, just wait, comeback player of the year. But uh, <laughs> no, waste of money. I mean, Sardaransky played really well for them when yeah. he started in Wall's place. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, Austin Rivers is another guy who whose teammates have hate, hated him as passed off, although we don't know how much of that uh, was the fact that he was the coach's kid. Rivers, I think, can actually help them. Um, he's he's good. Like, as a, as a backup point guard or backup, you know, he can really kind of back you up with the one through three, even in a pinch. Um, I, and he, he plays really hard. Uh, you know, he's, he's an okay creator. I, I think he's kind of an underrated acquisition. Um, but, yeah, I mean... We, just on paper, like a lineup of Wall, Beal, Porter, Oubre, Dwight can be really scary. Um, and I, I kind of hope this is finally the year that, that uh, they let Kelly Oubre be the starting four in place of uh, Marquis. Huh. Uh, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty, I'm pretty high on Oubre. Yeah. And Otto Porter too, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know if Otto Porter is totally done improving. He's still only 25. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't. I don't think he's entered his prime yet, and he's become just, you know, I know he gets a lot of shit for being on a max contract, and he might be a little overpaid, but he's become insanely efficient, um, and I think he they could really stand to increase his usage. I think this team is the most balanced between, or they're oddly balanced, really. Some forces that can seriously drag them down, and you can't expect a whole lot of good out of mainly Dwight and really just John Wall's downward spiral. And then some real promising sources where we could see things go really well this year. And Porter, I think, would be the prime example. Kelly Oubre, yeah. I still need to see it. I'm still bitter over the Kelly versus Kelly debacle of two play playoffs ago, um, which he lost. <laughs> the he Kelly lost on bad. Kelly violence. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, he's still young. It's only his third year in the league, and he's still got a lot of promise. And I think you're absolutely right that there's still some room for growth here with Porter. It took him a while to get to this point. After his first couple years in the league, people were ready to write him off and say he was a bust. Yeah. And to go from there to then earning that max contract, although you're right, it might have been a little high, but it was the cost to keep him because there was a market for him. Um, I think he's still got a lot left to show, and I hope he gets the chance to show it more even if that means yeah. taking the ball out of John Wall's hands a little bit more. But I just know, don't know how that happens because, like you said, if, if Brooks was willing to put up with all of Russell's 
BS and OKC, then he'll probably just let John Wall touch the ball whenever he wants and let yeah. Dwight fart whenever he wants, which sucks. So this is going to be year six for Otto Porter. So yeah. his three-point percentage year by year, 19, 33, 36, 43, 44. That's uh, really good. I, I don't know. Yeah, and, and his, you know, I think he could still stand to take more threes. He only takes about four mm-hmm. a game. Oh, he could um, take yeah, six or seven last year. Um, it was only nineteen, um, and sixty percent true shooting for Otto Porter. That's absurd. I mean, yeah. I really think um, they should be giving him more shots because he's a guy who not only has you know improved every year, but he's maintained this crazy efficiency for now two years in a row. Um, you know, but you're right. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, Walt. Well, Wall was at uh, 29% usage last year. Um, I'd really rather see him down at like like 23 or 24 and let, you know, kind of Beal and Porter really be the guys who who take the most shots because Wall is just not an efficient scorer, you know, and, and if he's going to be at this kind of decreased level of conditioning and athleticism for – you know, if this is what he is for the rest of his career, I, I hope it's not. He's still only 27, so it's not like he's totally washed. But he's 28 in six days, thank 28, you. Yeah, 20, yeah. <laughs> so still, again, he's, he still should be you yeah. know, in his prime. But, um, you know, I just don't know if he has the track record of, of health and of just, you know, kind of conditioning to, you know, to really have faith in that. Um, you you, you want to know the really scary thing? About um, John Wall. What's that? His designated player extension doesn't kick in until after this season. Oh no! Yeah, he makes nineteen point one million this this year. Then it kicks up to thirty seven point eight. So they're going to be throwing like a hundred million dollars at him, Otto Porter, and Bradley Beal. Yeah, yeah. John Wall. Yeah. So thirty seven, forty, forty three, and then in. 2023, John Wall has a $46 million player option. Oh, God. <laughs> dude, that's that's hard to even wrap your head around. That's so much money for a dude who relies so heavily on being young and fast. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that's... I mean, that's easily going to become the worst contract in the league, <laughs> I think. Never know, dude. I mean... Yeah, I, I like. I hope it doesn't. I love John Wall. Like when he's healthy and when he's playing at his best, he's one of the most exciting guys in the league. Uh, I just, it's just hard for me to be optimistic about him. <clears throat> Ugh. It sucks. Like we we spent so much time like talking about the negative parts around this team, but I mean, yeah, like but Beal, like Beal is awesome. Porter, Porter is awesome. John Wall could be awesome. Um. He could get back to being awesome. Yeah, I mean, he could. We, you can't write him off. I mean, they were willing to throw the money at him. They know his, his medical state more than we do, and they're willing to bet this franchise on him. But there's just too much, not just for this year, but for the next several years with the Wizards, where it's like, I don't know, maybe it could be different than it has been so far. Or, you know, like, you're relying on things to go differently than they have up to this point with Wall with Howard, with how Wall plays with his teammates, with Wall being able to do anything of substance off the ball, which he never really has been able to do. The guy can't shoot to save his life. 
you talk about bringing his usage rate down, but what are you going to do with him when he's not handling the ball on offense, you know? His, his that, guy is not going to guard him. So I don't know. Yeah. It, you, know why, you know why nothing is going to change with this team? It, nothing is going to change with this team because of Ernie fucking Grunfeld. Ew. Now we're taking the big shots. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, really, I mean, he, he's the common denominator of this team going back uh, more than a decade, you know, back to the Gilbert Arenas era. And, uh, you know, it's just been, you know, a decade plus of, uh, you know, kind of above average at best and atrocious at worst play. And, you know, he, he's combined really shockingly good drafting um, with just horrendous free agent signings and just profligate trades and I just don't see a way, you know, he, you know, builds the team that can, you know, kind of maximize the top level talent it has because they've just been, you know, kind of turning shit on the bench for year after year. And, you know, that's not that I don't see that changing. No, they, again, they, again know, like it's they a... lost uh, Mike Scott too, who is one of their best bench players last year. He's with the Clippers now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, you know, there's just nothing there for, for if anyone goes down or, you know, for when they're not playing their starters into the ground. No, there, it's been the book on them for several seasons now. That's just what's so sad. Like, it's not like, oh, what are they going to do with a short bench this year? It's like, oh, what have they done with a short bench for the last four, for basically the entire time Brad Beal and John Wall have been on the same team? Like, yeah, it's just, it's been the same story. So, uh, I mean, I guess we kind of know the ending. Maybe they'll be a decent playoff team, and then they're not going to have the legs in the playoffs. They're all going to be tired. They're not. They're going to get killed on the bench, and they're going to get ousted, most likely in the first round. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're definitely like this is definitely a team that's kind of I'd say built for the playoffs more than the regular season, just because they are so top heavy. Uh-huh. Um, Which and, can you know, get you a gave decent. The Raptors, no. you know, six games as the eight seed yeah. last year. Um, it's just because when you get to the playoffs, you play your best players more, and having such a god awful bench matters less. Um, but again, it matters enough to the point because you can't play those guys for forty eight minutes. So it matters enough to the point where you're right. I don't think they have the. I don't think they they can win a first round series. No, I I would have to agree. Um, that would be very matchup specific, and even yep. then, any team with any semblance of depth is going to have a, a puncher's chance because of how much they can exploit that bench so with that said that's uh that's the southeast division for you a lot of not so deep benches and weird lineups coming your way and a lot of losses i don't think that division's going 500 t-bone no i would say not any uh any last thoughts anything else you want to touch on briefly no, I've uh, I think I've had about enough of the Southwest Division for one podcast. I uh, I, I do too. Something tells me we're not going to spend this much time on any of these teams until the 2019-2020 Southeast Division preview. Hopefully not. <laughs> By the way, congrats to the Seattle Storm for winning the WNBA Finals. Oh no shit! They swept. Oh, that's, wow, that's awesome. Brianna Stewart Sue Bird, and Sue Bird and, and Stewart. Yeah, they're just. That's that's awesome. 
couple legends right there so uh with that said we will go ahead and wrap up this episode of the association nba podcast but we still have a couple previews left how many divisions are left three are we halfway yeah so three more a lot of good teams left in there including pretty much all the teams in the running for the top of the western conference so we'll get there shortly but uh for now thanks as always for tuning in feel free to subscribe on apple podcasts or listen on anchor.fm or wherever else and uh yeah that's all i got take them out t-bone let's do it man all right uh, i'm happy to do a good division next time me too it's gonna be a good time all right goodbye everybody till next time goodbye